I'm Adam Reck, and also Adam Reck, and this is Chris's on Infinite Earths, the podcast where nothing will ever be the same. So, hi all. Due to a strange set of circumstances involving time travel, a mysterious cloud-like creature, and the lost Roman legion, the Chris's are not going to be in this week, so I'm going to be helping out. We'll just call this episode the New Chris's on Infinite Earths. Anyway, this week we're going to be covering the very cool Fantastic Four story. Wait, Adam, what the heck are you doing in our closet? Yeah, wow, you are a long way from Jersey. <laughs> oh, uh, wow, the uh, time travel deal sure uh, wrapped up quickly then? Eh? The what? Yeah, we were just putting the boys to bed. What time travel thing? Uh, you know, the uh, Ro- Roman Legion cloud thing? Adam, what's going on here, bud? Okay, all right, I'll drop the act. I was just missing my buds, the Chris's, and wanted to come visit, but my phone was broken, and, well, I just kind of showed up. And I know that you need to record the podcast, so I figured I'd be a good friend and just, you know, do it for you. I I mean, we like recording the pod. Yeah, it's not a burden or anything. Say, do you want to stay and record with us? Can I I ask if you want to talk about comics? Yes. Yes! I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our one-shot episode covering the Fantastic Four story, Monsters Unleashed! Exclamation point. And as you heard in the cold open, we have here with us special guest, Adam Reck. Welcome to the show, Adam. Hey, thanks for having me back. I think uh, last time I was here was Executioner Song. That's true, which is it was was handy for us, uh, and <laughs> hope this will be handy for us as well. This is an era of Fantastic Four that I don't really understand super well. Luckily, this one, this story, I feel like is not too mired in continuity. Mm-hmm. And no. readers, if you didn't catch Adam on our last uh, episode that we had him on for, Adam is artist and co-host of Battle of the Atom, podcast also hosted at Comics XF. It's a good idea to introduce Adam. I forget that uh, it is possible <laughs> that there are people who listen to this who don't listen to Boda. There was one person who once confessed to me, it felt like a confession, that they heard about Jay and Miles through us. Oh, wow. Wild. Wild, Ooh. right? That's great. <laughs> I well, thought that I, was pretty fun. I do appreciate the intro. And, you know, Chris, you're absolutely right. The Simonson era is just him having a lot of fun. And this is one part of it that is kind of standalone. And I, I think he was just kind of pushing for commercial sales. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm glad to be here to talk about it. Yeah, Adam also requested this episode through our Patreon, which is now closed for requests. So I don't want to advertise <laughs> it too heavily. But thank you, Adam. Uh, it's absolutely my pleasure. This was one of my absolute favorite stories growing up. So I'm I'm really glad that we're going to have a chance to talk about it. Even if certain uh, co-hosts of mine said that this stretched the definition of a crossover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, we once did Excalibur Weird War 3 
oh, because they cross done. over into another dimension. So this is not even this is not even that much of a stretch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We have we have Spider Man in a Fantastic Four book. It's a crossover. Yeah. Oh, it one hundred percent is. But you know, everybody's a critic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm excited to talk about it. So let's go ahead and dive into our summary. Summary. Fantastic Four number 347 to 349. Written by Walt Simonson, penciled by Arthur Adams and Gracine Tanaka, inked by Art Thybert and Al Milgram, colored by Steve Bucolato, lettered by Bill Oakley, and edited by Ralph Macchio. Issue 347. A squirrel woman, Delilah, flees from her imperial pursuers, crashed largely unscathed on the planet Earth. A squirrel ship arrives in system in hot pursuit. Meanwhile, at the Baxter building, Sue and Reed are playing with Franklin. Johnny is feeling guilty about having a crush on a space alien named Nebula, even though he's married to Alicia Masters. And Sharon Ventura feels bad about being all rocky as she thing. Ben Grimm, who is currently her boyfriend, tries to cheer her up, but it's no can do. Delilah, in human disguise, infiltrates the Baxter building. She has light telepathy and uses this power to great effect. She disguises as Nebula to distract Johnny Storm, knocking him out with a neural device. Next, she appears as Alicia Masters to knock out Ben Grimm, and then as Namor to dupe Sue Storm. Finally, she realizes she can't use her device on She-Thing, and so disguises as Ben and dupes Sharon into drinking a drugged tea, which knocks her out. Finally, Delilah assumes the form of Sue Storm, and after a brief struggle, subdues Reed Richards. The scroll ship scans the planet finding some scroll-like life signatures on a mysterious island. Upon sending an away team, they discover it's Monster Island, home of massive kaiju-esque beasts. The scroll captain decides they'll use some technology to control the monsters and use them to find Delilah. However, below the surface, one of the Mole Man's underlings tells him someone is trying to take the monsters, and Mole Man prepares for war. Delilah accesses the FF's computers for other superheroes and uses her telepathic powers to gently nudge Spider-Man, Wolverine, Ghost Rider, and Hulk into coming to the Baxter building. The slightly dysfunctional foursome arrive, and Delilah, disguised as Sue, shows them the supposedly dead bodies of the FF. She tasks the heroes with finding the FF's killers in secret, so enemies don't capitalize on this moment. She gives them a gizmo that can track the supposed killers, who she explains also unleashed monsters across the world. The new Fantastic Four leap into action. Number 348. The new FF fly off in one of the cool rocket cars towards the energy signature of the evildoers. Meanwhile, Delilah uses the FF databanks to try to look for whatever thing she needs, but is not able to find it. She decides to use the FF as hostages, tying everybody but Reed up and putting them in the elevator. The scroll ship is monitoring the monster of a situation they've created across the world, hoping that they can stay relatively incognito. However, the Mole Man has spotted them and orders one of his creatures to attack. Back at the Baxter building, Delilah wakes up Reed and forces him to help her find the inorganic Technotroid, which is basically a robot that hatches from an egg. Reed also thinks Delilah in the form of his wife is mega hot, which is likely partially due to her telepathy. The Skrulls monsters locate Delilah in New York, and the Skrull ship prepares to blow the entire city up. However, the ship collapses in a sinkhole. 
Wolverine checks the news to discover monsters are attacking major cities, and they spot a flying monster attacking an airliner over Washington, D.C. They fight off the monster and give chase all the way to the Bermuda Triangle, where they go through a portal to Monster Island. They locate the aforementioned sinkhole and follow into it. Reed and Delilah head off to find the MacGuffin, which Reed has maybe traced to the Catskills. Before leaving, though, Reed tells the robot receptionist to tell that to her friends in the Marines, which was kind of a weird thing to say. Anyway, they find a cave in the Catskills and enter. The Mole Man interrogates the Skrulls, demanding to know why they've taken his monsters. At that point, however, the new FF arrive and a small amount of pandemonium is unleashed until Spider-Man states that possibly diplomacy is best. They determine there's one less Skrull than should be, and everyone starts smashing rocks to see if the Skrull Captain is in disguise as one. The Captain reverts back to Skrull form just before the Hulk clobbers him. Ghost Rider uses his pen and stare on the captain, and the scared scroll captain explains the entire situation about Delilah. Spider-Man shows the scroll the tracker, and they realize Sue's storm must have been Delilah in disguise. The captain reconfigures the device to find Delilah. Maybe they should have brought one of these in the first place, and they realize she's about to show up. She and Reed show up, but Reed seems a little brainwashed, convinced Delilah is his wife, and they could touch her over his dead body. The Hulk, of course, is willing to do just that. Number 349. Delilah interrupts the near brawl with a sob story about her persecution from the Skrull Empire, and everyone is suddenly ready to kill the Skrulls. They quickly try to explain she's a telepath, and Ghost Rider surrounds the Skrulls in cleansing flames, which somehow snaps everyone out of it, except Reed, who takes off with Delilah in a cool hoverbike. The new FF give chase in the Mole Man's subterranean tunnels, but are held up by a bomb going off. The bomb causes a cave-in, but the Hulk catches the rock about to squish everyone. Ghost Rider lights up his chain and starts twirling, using it to tunnel through the rock to safety. Delilah seduces Reed by changing back into Sue and using her telepathy. She gives him a kiss and then explains that she wants to use the robot that they're looking for to try to topple the Skrull Empire. At the Baxter building, Franklin enters the elevator and unties the real FF. The robot receptionist Roberta explains that the friends and the Marines phrase was a code that Reed used to suggest trouble, so she knew to help out. They track Reed's cycle to Monster Island, and off they go. Reed and Delilah get close to the robot egg, which is located inside a flying saucer that a big monster is sitting on. Reed distracts the monster, and the new FF show up. They stop Delilah, but she threatens to kill Reed unless the four get the egg. They use their unique abilities to get past the security measures. However, the Mole Man arrives, and he also wants the egg. Oh, and the real FF also arrive. Spidey tries to grab the egg, but Delilah transforms into Mary Jane to distract him. The scrolls also state that their orders are to grab the egg or destroy it using a powerful explosive. Also, the monster who is sitting on the egg returns just in time for it to hatch. The robot imprints on the giant monster, and as the scroll captain tries to use the explosive, the robot grabs him and absorbs the blast. Delilah tries to transform back into Sue and seduce Reed, kissing him passionately. Reed surreptitiously snatches her neural weapon and knocks her out, explaining that he was waiting for his moment. Delilah awakens shortly, but Ghost Rider renders her nearly catatonic with his penance stare. The scrolls agree to leave with her, but the Mole Man still wants to tussle. Spider-Man reminds him that his army would be facing the Hulk, which changes the villain's mind. The Punisher flies over the island in his helicopter as a massive flying monster returns home. He sees the assembled heroes down at the surface and decides they've probably got the situation handled. He heads back home. Finn.
All right, Christy, Adam. Uh, Adam, you already kind of told us this, so maybe I'll just ask Christy. Christy, did you like this story? I did. I generally tend to enjoy Fantastic Four stories. I am discovering about myself. It's a, It's not a thing that I anticipated <laughs> that I would necessarily enjoy, but it was it was fun. It was comic-y, and I enjoyed the art, and the, the characters were fun and goofy. There was nothing incredibly offensive about it. You know, when you get out of those, like, Audie-era comics, I feel like the offensive <laughs> bits are gone. <laughs> you, you, you don't mind the, the Skrull lady playing re- a real, like, femme fatale sort of role? No, no, I'm... I can totally dig a sexy villain. So I like that she disguised herself as like everybody's like side piece crush. Yeah. <laughs> secret love interests, right? Yeah, secret that's that's a better way to put it as yeah. opposed to side piece crush. <laughs> you know, Reed Richards noted side piece crush his wife. <laughs> well, his his side piece crush is ignoring his wife, so she <laughs> she had to do something. <laughs> Yeah, I think what the the story does really well right off this the bat is sort of kind of lay down where the family is at and you know how they're all feeling about each other and what relationships they're in and then Delilah immediately comes in and starts like stirring that pot. So uh it's it's a lot of fun. It is interesting to me this is this still in the tenure of Shooter as EIC? Um I believe Tom DeFalco is the EIC at this point. Okay. Uh, the reason I ask is it definitely has a bit of like a, this could be someone's first comic oh, deal 100%. a little bit, which is super handy as opposed to the last crossover that we just read was a Young Justice crossover and it, does, it doesn't care. It no. doesn't care. It did not care at all if, if this was your first one. Right. It, and I'm starting to read the, the next Young Justice crossover. It also really doesn't care if it's your <laughs> first one. So it was, it was interesting going back and reading this comic from the 80s that is like, hey, these are these are the Fantastic Four. In case you don't know, Johnny is married to Alicia. So even if you haven't read a comic for 20 years, you you can kind of figure out, oh, even though Alicia used to be with Ben, she's married. That was very helpful to me because mm-hmm. I'm like, no, Alicia and Ben go together. This doesn't make sense. They are married now, like like right now as okay. we talk in 2021. Yeah, okay. Simonson does this uh, throughout his run, and he, you know, is still doing the sort of like previously on. So even if you hadn't read, what, what's, what was interesting about this three issue arc when I was a kid was that I actually didn't read it in order. I got 348 because of that absolutely amazing cover of the new fantastic four jumping out of the page oh yeah and then i had to track down the other two issues with the trade paperback oh and then i eventually you know i i read the whole story i absolutely loved it i you know probably read it like hundreds of times but it it was kind of (laughs) weird not not reading Uh, it in order as someone who tried to get into 90s comics by reading the Spider-Man story that I believe was called The Mark of Cain, I had like <laughs> part three and five and maybe two. Uh, and it really didn't make any sense. And I was like, I desperately want to find these other ones. But of course, like as months went by, it was like more and more impossible. Yeah, that's just the wonder of comics is like getting yeah. two, dis- you know, two dots and you have to connect them somehow in your brain. And, you know, what's interesting is you, you, you talk about this sort of being light on continuity. There are actually a couple of like, there especially is one very, very complex thing that Simonson is weaving through here that actually comes from his Avengers run. And it has to do with Johnny and Nebula. But 
Mm. If you knew nothing about that, you it doesn't matter, you know? Right. It, it doesn't matter. You just realize he had like a crush on her and was, that's all you need to know for this story and that's that's fantastic. The thing that really threw me for a loop was she thing. Ah, uh, yes. I Sharon. had never never encountered she thing before. Former Miss Marvel Sharon Ventura. Former right. former and eventual Miss Marvel. Right. And so then I, you know, when I looked her up, I was like, "Oh, this is another Miss Marvel that I also did not know about." There's a lot of Miss Marvels, there's a lot of spider women. I feel like that's like <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and and Chris, I think you and I had had a conversation a couple of days ago about because I had forgotten because in the third issue that Ben shows up as the thing, and I had to go back and remember like, wait a minute, he can't switch between the two. So, oh right, he's wearing a metal thing suit <laughs> because he was depowered like ten issues ago, and I I had to remind myself of that because it, it's just weird. You know, it is the the metal thing suit where, where you could tell Art Adams is like, I'm not going to distinguish this. I'm just going to draw the thing. No, no artist does. Uh, Simonson doesn't when he draws it. He just draws him as the thing. I think the artist previous to Simonson doesn't do it either. <laughs> it's, it, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, hey, the thing's here, and and you know what's funny is like by three fifty, the thing is back. So it like <laughs> just the very next issue, it it's all gets. Uh, solved again. Uh, I'm, I'm currently reading a lot of the appearances of Franklin Richards, oh, and right. uh, a, a lot of it is like many issues apart mm-hmm. because a lot of like what Franklin does throughout early FF is like nothing, and then like occasionally he'll like have this weird like godlike moment. But I keep having I'll read it and I'll go, okay, what's the thing's deal right now? Because it is different <laughs> every single time. One of them is like he's a little bit more like his his rockiness isn't quite so like brick like it's more like kind of muddled yeah and yeah. there's bits where he can transform back and forth there's mm-hmm. bits where he's um, spiky yep 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 yeah pretty wild i was i was surprised by how unsympathetic he seemed to she thing he's like man she does seem like she's taking it real hard well, he goes oh, and well. gets her something, right, to like cheer her up. Oh no, he doesn't do that. That's the that's Lila disguised as him. <laughs> the Lila disguises him, who's like, "Hey, have the I have this tea to cheer you up." Oh, it's a knockout tea. Ben was elsewhere. <laughs> in in Ben's defense, he is trying desperately to try and like make this better and the issues right. that lead up to this. Um, but you're right; it doesn't. It doesn't get well, and it's kind of funny that we're talking about the Fantastic Four because they're not really in this story. <laughs> no, they are. The, uh, Reed is in the story for the most of the four of them. He's in it the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but it, it is mostly a story where Delilah, as Sue, tricks the FF and then grabs Wolverine, Hulk, Ghost Rider, and Spider Man to help out. Which turns out to be this convoluted plot to like get into this containment unit that contains this egg she wants, and that's why she specifically picked those four. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, it's really just Simonson saying, like, you know what? I'm going to take our four most marketable Marvel characters <laughs> right now, put them together, and like this issue's going to sell like hotcakes, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it worked. It worked on you, Adam. Uh, it sure did. I mean, I remember looking at this and 
you know, I had been already obsessed with Art Adams uh, because of my Asgardian Wars trade paperback that I was wearing out after reading hundreds of times. And I saw this and I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really a silly story. I mean, you know, you've got these scrolls kind of doing a Star Trek impression. You know, you've got the whole bit with the monsters and Mole Man oh. is really silly. So it's it's fun. <laughs> And the monsters are just kind of like window dressing to the whole thing. You'd think it being called Monsters Unleashed, it would be, you'd have a bigger conflict with these monsters, but it's just assumed, no, the other heroes of the world are taking care of the monsters. It's fine. Now, there is a later story also called Monsters Unleashed that more, that features the monsters a little more heavily. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's it more is, of it like is a funny. kaiju kind of like all the monsters attack Earth, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was a it was a crossover that I feel like was you know sometimes in some years you get like the a like the the a plot crossover and the b plot crossover <laughs> yeah I feel like that was like what like 2018 or whatever is b plot crossover I do really enjoy though that he that Simonson decided because most of Simonson's run is this convoluted time travel thing it's the introduction of the TVA that we recently oh. saw in the Loki live mm-hmm. action yes. And I love that this story is just this like very basic, we're going to go back to the very first Fantastic Four villain, and we're going to play around with these monsters and scrolls. It's it's fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Mole Man. I don't know if I've read a ton of Mole Man before. Mole Man's perfect. But reading Mole Man in this, I every time I saw him on the page, it was just Wallace Shawn's voice in my head <laughs> for him. But just like... Totally like Princess Bride voice in my head. Mole Man, literally the first Marvel Comics villain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the monster. FF number one. And the monster from FF1 in the cover, it like has a really important part at the end of this. So That's right. Oh, is that the one that adopts the egg? That adopts the robot? Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a really nice callback. But I mean, y- the, the, popularity of this like impromptu team that was only together for three three issues i mean it can't be understated like the marvel universe trading cards actually put this team with an art adams illustration on one of their holograms this was like a big deal well and yet it's like a you know it's a very slight short story it is, it is. But it, they are like, they're like the 90ist, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's like Hulk as a gangster. Oh Wolverine. my gosh. I had to adjust to, to this to form jo- of Hulk. To Joe fix it? Yeah, Joe yeah. fix it. I yeah. was like, oh, he's kind of mean. Like, and not dumb. No, no. He's, he's, he is very, <laughs> very gangstery. He lives in like Vegas. And he's gray. He is gray, yeah. Yep. That, and I, that I was like, so strange uh, to me. This version of, um, Wolverine is fun too. He's kind of Indiana Jonesy, like with the mm-hmm. the leather jacket and a duffel bag, and you're like, "Where are you going, Wolverine?" You know. But mm-hmm. the banter between the four of them is just, I think, what really makes this story. It is because they clearly like don't like each other and are really <laughs> not happy with being on this impromptu get together, but they have to. You know, so except Ghost Rider, who's like really quiet throughout the entire story, he'll like occasionally say something, but he's like, 
It yeah. seems very wise. All business. <laughs> it is. It's kind of wild for Ghost Rider because I feel like I'm used to a bit more of like a comedic gr- Ghost Rider. Is it? well, it, it depends on your Ghost Rider. I think I this was still true. Johnny Blaze. He's a little snarky, you know. Yeah, he he is a little snarky. <laughs> I cannot emphasize enough how much I love Art Adams's penance stare. Oh yeah, where yep. they, they like the so for people who don't know the penance stare is is like. So Ghost Rider has the su- has superpowers of being a, a, a skeleton man who's on fire. <laughs> His vehicle turns into skeletons-ish and is also on fire. And he has a flaming chain. That's his whole deal. But then he also has the pen and stare. And he looks into your eyes and you are forced to confront, like, all of your sins. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Who does he do that to? The he does captain? it to Delilah. And I think the he does it to the... Uh, or starts to do it to... Maybe he does it to the scroll captain. I know he does it to Delilah at the end because she's like catatonic yeah. at the end of the story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The the artwork here is just, I think, what really sells it. Now, I don't want to sell short Simonson's artwork on the rest of his arc because it's like absolutely fantastic. And I mm-hmm. highly recommend folks check that entire arc out because he's just having so much fun drawing and writing this book. It was such a smart move to get Adams to do this short arc because it's just long enough that he could like meet the schedule, even though he has a pencil assist from another illustrator, which I couldn't find any information about Gracie Tanaka. The inks are also really great. I, I mean, unfortunately, Art the Bear has turned out to be a comic skater. Oh, no. Yeah. So not great. But at the time, he was like the hot inker working with Jim Lee on the X-Men Will Sportatio and, you know, a lot of these like image guys, he was like the next hot thing. And I, I think, you know, despite what he's turned into, he, uh, he's a good compliment for, for Art Adams here. And the, and the pages look fantastic. Yeah. I, the, the art really blew me away on this. It, it just felt really cool. I know that's like, a, that's a, you're actually good at talking about art where I'm just like, it looks neat. I, I just even loved the subtle things like the fact that all of the scrolls had distinct personalities in how they were drawn. A lot of times I feel like we get really samey scrolls and each of them seemed unique and like you got a vibe from them instantly looking at them. And I'm like, okay, they, we, we have a we have a band that somewhat <laughs> is vaguely characterized just here in a panel. One of my complaints about modern comics, and this is not universal, so any artists listening, don't take offense to this. I feel like we have lost a little bit of like making faces look a lot different. Mm. It uh, is one I, of the things that art like excels at is facial expressions. Mm-hmm. So, like what Chrissy was talking about, they have this engineer scrawl who always has this like. I, I think it's probably a Spock homage, but like he always has this sort of like fixed expression of surprise and shock on his face. Mm-hmm. And uh, you look at a lot of other scroll stories and you, you do not see that. It's like everybody's just an identical scroll, but it's very easy to tell like when evil Sue Storm is actually Delilah because of the way that art draws it. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very good. Yeah. It's great. I couldn't get over the concept of the egg and <laughs> how it, it being like. Oh, you mean a robot egg that Im- that imprints upon the person who who is there when it hatches, like it's a chick. But 
Um, they're also like the elite protectors of the scroll empress, but also if someone else got in the hands of one, they could like destroy the scroll empire. That's the implication, right? Is that if yeah. this little three or five armed robot, like gets in the wrong hands, you're going to be overflowing. I mean, overthrowing the uh, scroll empire. It's, it's a bit of a reach. <laughs> also, it was in a flying saucer. Um, which my, the other scroll ship to me did not look like a flying saucer, but I, I uh, Reed apparently figured out where it was. Cause he found like something in like an equivalent of the national Enquirer that was like flying right. saucer crash. <laughs> and he decided that was like worth a look that and the, the scrolls plan to find Delilah also always kind of confused me because what they do is they send all of the mole man monsters out to like attack things, but that's not their plan. Their plan is for each of the monsters to scan for like the psychic presence of Delilah. Yes. But that's not really made very clear. So you're like, (laughs) wait, why are these monsters attacking an airplane or what's going on here? Right. It was just kind of a, they're going to stir things up and that'll help us find her. I do like that that they figured out that she was in New York and the Skrulls just decided to take her out. They would blow up the entire city. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They do not care about collateral damage. No, not at all. Not at all. So I'm so glad you guys enjoyed this. Like I said, this is like, you know, one of of my childhood faves and it's just a delight. I, I think it's got humor. It's just kind of a fun, silly story. It has this great combination of characters. It even has that little Punisher cameo at the end, which is just really funny. They they tease it on the on the cover. It's a it's a real delight. And I need to congratulate us all on the remarkable restraint it has taken us to not sing Delilah <laughs> throughout this. I don't know this song. Oh my gosh, you don't know you don't know the radio? Host Delilah and oh, I know I know the radio host. I didn't know she had a song. No, just the, her little like. Oh yeah, ha- uh, she was always on. So uh, when I worked at the UPS store once upon a time, we had we always tuned it to soft rock because I guess that soft rock, whatever the local soft rock station is considered like the least offensive for a right, <laughs> retail right. store. And Delilah was always on as I was closing. Mm-hmm. So like you know, I'd be like hoping nobody else comes in, and it's like. Pizza one be like, Delilah, uh, my husband, uh, he was just the worst for five to ten years. But, you know, in the last week, he has been really trying. And I just think we're going to make this work. And she'd be like, wow, that's a really great story. Uh, I think I've got just the song for you. And then she'd put on something <laughs> random. Yeah. I, I am okay. really enjoying this because I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> she's like she's a radio dj but she's supposed to i feel like she's supposed to be like a radio dj who's like i don't know if touchy feely is the right word is this like like, a nationally broadcast thing that i should know about i've heard it i think in a couple spots i I looked her up once she she is theoretically national but okay i need to investigate this this sounds great Christy, I'm surprised that you didn't you didn't bring up the Plain White Tea song that was popular when we were in college. No, and I got no, sick of after no. like th- three times. <laughs> Why would it. I bring that up? Ugh. Okay. Uh, well, I did. I, I found out that it turns out that that guy wrote it about some girl who like did not like him at all, and when she found out it was about her, she was like mega creeped out by it. Yeah, not a yeah. good scenario. Not a great scenario. So I'm like, well, I didn't I didn't like that song anyway, and I will continue <laughs> to not like it. 
<laughs> Delilah is often uh, referred to as the Oprah of radio. That makes a lot of wow. sense. Okay, so but, I'm I'm Oh, clearly... Adam, you at least need to hear her voice. It yeah. is like it's like it's like it's like butter on the radio. She Ooh. she's got this this really sort of breathy way of of introducing songs and and she just shared sweet stories and it was she it was, was nice. I, right? I, Letters I, into I, Delilah. I goofed with the uh, with the with the woman, but sometimes <laughs> these people had like really unfortunate sort of like tales of of romance and Delilah was really just trying her best. <laughs> She's like, and now we're gonna listen to some journey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I I got us off topic there a little bit at the end, but are we ready to dive into some Twitter questions? Uh, Sure. Let's do some Twitter questions. Our first questions come from our, can I say favorite, favorite podcast? Pa- po- favorite podcast question asker. Are we allowed to have favorites? I think we maybe already said that. Oh once. my gosh. I don't know. Uh, at Asimov underscore fangirl. Howdy. Uh, why uh, are most giant monsters lizard insects? Uh, or why most giant monsters are lizard insects looking? And why say- isn't humanity attacked by a skyscraper sized sea otter? As in, like, what? Why? Why are kaiju's often kind of insectoid? That's a good question. That is a really good question. I'm not a kaiju expert, but I would say that people are probably more scared of lizards and bugs. Yeah, it's it's a lot of times. Like, I feel like the further you get away from humans, people get creeped out by things easier. Yeah, especially like the further away you get from like human pets too. And an otter like looks looks not unlike a cat, you know? It's just really cute. Yeah, or or Um, like, I mean, I guess you have King Kong. That's but, true, but like we love King Kong, right? Like, oh, definitely. I feel like after his first appearance, where he was supposed to be scary, everybody was like, "I cannot take him seriously. He's a good guy, <laughs> and he's been like a good guy like ever since." Yeah, I was rooting for him this year, this last year in Kong versus Godzilla. I, I, I know. Oh wait, it was Godzilla versus Kong. The only movie we've covered on this podcast. <laughs> no, we've covered we covered Who Framed Roger Rabbit that one time, <laughs> and the Muppets. Not I, I did, that was a television special. I was I was okay. Uh, Okay. That was a great episode, guys. And a great <laughs> Muppet special. It's so good. It. It's so upsetting that there's not a there's not an actual like ver- physical version of it to buy with all of the original stuff on it because of rights issues. Mm. Yeah. Keep waiting for that to show up on Disney Plus, but we'll see. They have to buy like multiple more companies. <laughs> Once I guess. they own everything. Yeah. That's that's our consolation prize for living <laughs> in the world so. of entertainment hell. And follow up question, and I'm also going to include the disclaimer follow up that uh, Asma fangirl realized that this is a different crossover of monsters being unleashed, so the questions were a little off. Mm-hmm. But the second questions were, was which kind of kaiju would you like to be able to transform into? I would want to be Mothra. I'd, I mean, probably that giant sea otter that she was talking about in that first question. That, that's it. That's good too. <laughs> Mothra is great. Mothra's <laughs> Mothra's beloved. Mo- Mothra is queen of the monsters. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't. I want to be queen. <laughs> Uh, does it Not, count if I want to be like Mecha Godzilla or like no, that's robot? Fine. That's it's cool. A, I think Mecha Godzilla counts as a kind. Do those count or like you know like an Evangelion robot or something? Can I be a robot? Is that a kaiju? That's not a, <sighs> kaiju. a kaiju. I don't think. I think an Evangelion counts because of well, you know, like what you find out later in the yeah, series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can spoil a '90s show. <laughs> yeah, I think I think everybody's seen Evangelion at this point that wants to, right? Like. <laughs> 
I'll just be a giant robot with some like people inside. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Sometimes you the robots eat you when you're already inside. You get kind of dissolved, that's right. and then you got to reform as a person. Sorry, <laughs> Evangelion stuff. Okay, next question. <laughs> Christy's not seen Evangelion, and I don't think she ever will. From at Big Red underscore thirteen, you've been given the nod by Marvel to create a new definitive FF. First, which characters from the Marvel Universe, aside from the original four, obviously, would you pick for your team and why? And second, who would make your cut for an FF team consisting of non-Marvel characters? So two questions here. Oh. Who would the four be from Marvel and who would be non-Marvel? It from non-Marvel you characters? You know, that Jesus. means everything that isn't Marvel. Right? That's Jeez. Wow. That's, that's wow, a lot. Wow, wow. Yeah, there's um, two approaches you could really take here, right? Like you could go for like the family version, right? Mm-hmm. Or right. you could go this approach, which is like they all hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's just the power pack, but there's a Fantastic Four? I would I like that. it. That's I'm good. into it. I mean, one of them was a member of the the Future Foundation. Uh huh. So it it at least kind of even makes sense from like a legacy perspective. Yeah. I feel like you could do this with I don't know who the fourth member would be, but like Cyclops, Gene, and, and Wolverine, Emma. Then, yeah, maybe Emma. I don't maybe know. Emma. It's a lot. Like of you, you probably need like a, a monster person. See, but Emma, Emma as a diamond person. Oh, that's true. Like could be the that's bruiser. true. Yeah, I don't know, Christy. Who mm. you got? So hang with me here. Sure. One of the cuckoos dies. The other four are fantastic. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Yeah, I would read that. And now we have to do what outside the Marvel? Not, uh, and I, I, I came up with one: uh, Neo from the Matrix, yeah. John Wick, Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> oh, I can't remember if he's Bill or Ted. How do I not remember that? Who's Keanu and Bill? Or oh, Ted? we're not going with Point Break. No, I think I, think I, I kind of like the, the weird vibe of having a Bill and Ted character. Is he Bill or Ted? <laughs> he's I think Bill. he's Bill. Yeah. Okay. Just the four Keanus. I okay. would read the hell out of that. <laughs> I, lo- I, I just, I really love Keanu. And recently after someone asked Keanu about NFTs and he laughed at them because he said that like it, that it's a stupid concept and that he wouldn't do it because it's a stupid concept. I'm just like, I just love Keanu more now. He's great. He's fantastic. He's love Keanu. absolutely wonderful. Okay. So I'm on a big Encanto kick right oh, now. Okay. That's a so, nice one. I'm trying to think of which four of the Madrigals would be the Fantastic Four. Uh-huh. And we've obviously got to have Peppa because she controls the weather. Yep. Don't and don't spoil anything if anybody... I'm not okay. spoiling anything. Okay. And Kanto's still pretty new. Yeah. Well, Peppa controls the weather. Yep. And we got Louisa, who's super strong. Yep. And I think we need Dolores, who can hear really well. I feel like that's pretty useful in a superhero team. Mm-hmm. And then, like... Uh, oh, what's the what's the other cousin who can shape shift? I feel like that would be superhero-y. Uh-huh. I don't. I, I've only seen like twenty minutes of this movie. So yeah. Like, so I'm speaking to a very specific like section. Our youngest really loved it like the one time, and then he's been like, I don't want to watch it. I don't. No, no. Isabella would be good too because she's got the plant stuff. And Pl- what Ooh. plant stuff's always plant good. stuff is good. Yeah, no, I think it would probably be Isabella, Louisa, Peppa, and uh, Dolores. Wow. Oh, okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've, all female team. All female team of 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 mad madrigals. Of my, madrigals. Yeah. My daughter literally <laughs> just told me this afternoon. She's like, "You got to watch this movie." You like, got to watch. It is. Movie. It is like if it is an X Men movie in a way. <laughs> it Except great. it's like it's like literal biological family. Mm-hmm. All right, wait. I've got to do this one right. Mm-hmm. I've been reading a lot and collecting a lot of Hellboy lately. Well, love Hellboy. So let's do Hellboy as the thing. Okay. How about we, maybe we do like indie comics roundup here? Love that. Let's think. I, I love Hellboy. Who else could be on this family team? Well, we could do Liz from Hellboy, right? Liz yep. Sherman. Then maybe we'll pair them up with Phone Bone from Bone. And oh man, I'm reaching now. I don't know. <laughs> Mar from Sin City. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Fantastic. <laughs> it's terrible. All right. Are we ready to go on to our next question? Yeah, Can give me another one. Okay. So this one is from at Midra Jim. Godzilla got shrunk to human size in Marvel, but got better. If he didn't, which team should he have joined and why? Feel free to answer for kaiju-sized Godzilla. Kaiju-sized Godzilla should have been a part of Al Ewing's Ultimates, because that would have mm. just been fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ones that, like, they're like, we we fix, like, universal problems. I, I love the idea of a kaiju just hanging out on a space station. I uh, See, mm. I was under the impression that Archangel killed the Marvel Studios Godzilla, but... <laughs> oh yeah fun fact there are godzilla comics christy that take place within marvel canon and then they just never brought them up again once they lost the rights to it they did this a lot of times there yeah. are transformers comics that are in marvel oh canon are the gi joe comics in marvel canon they are to begin with i think because mm-hmm. i know the transformers ones are because there's literally a bit where like optimus meets captain mm-hmm. america that ends very quickly but yeah. it, it lasts for like the first 10 issues. But yeah, the Godzilla, the Marvel Godzilla that appears after they lose the Godzilla rights, he doesn't even look like Godzilla, but he's still Godzilla. It's really weird. <laughs> so I feel like Godzilla and Doug Ramsey would need to like team oh, up. Oh, yeah. Right? Do you just like Doug and big things? Doug well, and Doug well, and Well, Doug humans. could talk to Godzilla. I was trying to think who could talk to Godzilla. That's true. Doug could. I'd love to pair him with like Moon Girl. And Devil Dinosaur, like they oh. could all hang out in Double Devil Dinosaur. That's yeah. very good. That'd be fun. Who do I want him on if he's human sized? Isn't there like a Legion of Monsters or something that's like a Marvel thing that pops up like every once in a blue moon? Yes. Okay, he could be on that team. That's fine. Does he have to be like? You know, I'll put him on the. Have you guys ever read Daydreamers, which is like Howard the Duck and Man Thing and Artie it's- and Leech? And Franklin's in it, right? Yeah, and Franklin. That'd be. I have fun. not read it, but I want to so bad. It's I've, not. I've been told that, like it's not it is that absolutely. I've heard it's vital for Franklin stuff, though. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Well, let's let's put man-sized Godzilla there. <laughs> Sounds good. Speaking of Franklin, uh, at Chris E seventeen asks, you find out that one or all of your children are super geniuses and potentially can destroy the world. What number do you cut out of your shirts as a boob window? The infinity <laughs> sign sideways. <laughs> <laughs> this is, of course, referencing the fact that uh, Susan Storm's outfit for part of the 90s had a 
boob window that was yeah. a four I, and she was she was not wearing a ton yeah i Absolutely had to have chris ridiculous. show me this this picture i was like what on earth a number cut out yeah um that number one, is, one because that... i would be number one if i had super kids right now would your number one have the would it be like the stylized one or just like a like a line down i feel like in the spirit of the original, it needed to be a stylized number one. So it's very clearly a number and not a fashion choice. Okay, so it's got to be one of these. I like that. That's nice. Uh-huh. I just did. I just kind of did that in, in the... Yes, you yeah. do lots of things that are visual in our audio media. <laughs> our audio media. <laughs> Adam, gonna, what do you put on your chest? I'm what number? go with pie. And Love it. Pies? Pie would be good. Looks cool. There was a fun movie. It does look You cool. know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and okay last question from uh, eddie underscore word we're not going to say on this podcast oh y'all ever think about how marvel is obsessed with redoing this idea oh like mon- the monster the big monster things i mean or, i know they've done it once have they done it a bunch of times or does he mean like different different members of the ff because that is they are they are obsessed with that they've done that a ton right i was going to say who all has been part of the Fantastic Four, but that's probably a very long discussion. Yeah, She Hulk, uh, Medusa for a little bit. Yep. She Thing, these four. Well, it's funny if you go, I think it's early in Dan Slott's most recent run, like they play with this. Like every single person who was a member of the Fantastic Four shows up at some point in like the first couple issues to try right. and team up. It's a fun idea, like to swap the characters out and uh, and have a big cast. They are so. They also are Marvel's most like one of their tent poles, where it is for the most part like very rigid. Who is in it, and, and you know until until it isn't like the Fantastic Four are four specific people. The X Men that that changes a lot. Mm-hmm. Avengers. The Avengers changes. change a lot. I mean, obviously Spider Man doesn't, but there have you know. Uh, I mean, now there's like a million Spider. Yeah. But Spider-Man right. was part of the Fantastic Four in the Hickman run. <laughs> so, you know, just depends on who's who's writing the cast. <laughs> Did he have a four on his costume? In no, that? it was. Um, so he was actually part of the Future Foundation, yes. which was like Reed oh, Richards okay. tried to set up yes. like almost like an institute yes. sort of school. I, I know Future Foundation. Oh, OK, he had like he had a white costume and the Future Foundation stuff. Everybody had different logos on them, depending mm-hmm. on their deal. I think he still had a spider, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Okay. But it was like white and black. Like the eyes were It's a black. cool uniform. But everybody wore white and black. Mm-hmm. Mm. Probably hard to get blood out of them. Uh, <laughs> I think it was made of unstable <laughs> molecules, so I think it just, ha- it, it just doesn't stain. I'm just saying, you know, white would be really hard to get stains out of. Because he's worrying you about the like laundry. Grass stains. <laughs> I love it. Very practical concern. As, so- as someone said on Twitter today, I love your brain. <laughs> Yeah. What did you say that someone said I love? It's about Micromax, oh, wasn't said, it? Yeah, it was. That the best part of being Micromax would be it being able to fit your entire body into any bathtub. Oh my god, <laughs> it's brilliant! And everybody was like, "This is this is what Christy thinks." Of. <laughs> the important stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, would you like to see what else my brain has come up with in our accolades? Oh, what a yes, segue. please accolades.
All right. So we start out with our best line. And like we talked about, there's just some great banter between our our four stand-ins for the Fantastic Four. And my best line comes from Spider-Man. After Hulk says, I'm getting a real pain in my arachnophobia. We couldn't get our spider sense to kick in a little sooner next time, could we? As Hulk's holding up like all like a, a mountain on top of him, as he does <laughs> yeah. often. And Spider-Man says, I guess uh, maybe I shouldn't have skipped that last factory recall. <laughs> Sorry. That's pretty good. I just love Spider-Man jokes. They're great. There's a lot of great one-liners in here. Oh, it is It is. It is very action movie-esque. Yeah, it's quippy. What was yours, Chris? Yeah. Mine was from the Hulk, where he says, next time, Shorty, we'll get the Easter Bunny to give everybody his own egg. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that one, too. That was good. And Adam? I have a line from Wolverine. Um, one of the monsters has just stepped on the Hulk's foot, and uh, he's screaming in pain. So Wolverine decides that he's going to stab <laughs> the monster in the foot and he says wouldn't want to lose my membership and good standing in costume clowns anonymous <laughs> <laughs> it just made me laugh <laughs> okay and our greatest hero i'm i'm curious to see if we are all in agreement here but i gave my greatest hero to uh reed richards who knew all along that delilah was you know up to shenanigans and he just played along long enough to long enough to kiss her you know, he had to go along with it. He had to. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> he does He does lay the smooch so he can, you know, steal the little gadget, the ring gadget, right? Right. That's yeah. true. He just, like, kind of bent a finger or something and <laughs> grabbed it real quick. Yeah. A um, sneaky kiss. So mine is actually the robot administrative assistant. Yeah. What's her name? Martha, I think. Oh. Yeah, she she who like gets the one who looks like a human on top but has a wheelie bottom. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. since she freed the rest of the FF to go help out. Oh yeah, yep. That's yeah, great. she understands yeah. the Marines line, which I never which... heard that before. But right, I'm yep. betting it's a thing. <laughs> I'm sure Simonson picked that up somewhere. My greatest hero is the monster from Fantastic Four number one, who turns out to be a very protective mama oh. at the end and. Oh. You know, and imprints this little robot onto herself and saves the day. It's great. Yeah, it's oh, good. I love your guys' answers. I wish I'd thought more outside of the box. <laughs> oh, Reed is great in this, too. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rare moment where Reed is, like, pretty unabashedly right? decent. Right? I feel like this is, like, the second time that I've been like, man, I've got to like Reed. Okay. Oh, well, tell you what. Go back and read early FF. You will, you will just, like, roll your eyes at him all the time. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be great. You'll love the thing. Simonson does a great job of like making you really like these characters, which in a lot of Fantastic Four runs, you you don't always like them, you know? So. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, next up, we've got the coolest moment. And I had to give my coolest moment to that last page of 357 or the last page of the first issue where we, we see our lineup of our Fantastic Four here, the Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, Hulk, and Wolverine. And Wolverine has the, just call us the new FF, Webhead. Now let's go kick us some butt and take us some names. That is my pick as well. Oh, we got a daily double. <laughs> Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. Yeah, it was It's such a fun, fun page, fun panel. And you can see 
Delilah there in the the background as Sue wiping a little tear. It's great. It's great. So my coolest moment was the penance stare because I love the penance stare. (laughs) (laughs) Both of them are just the one. I like the 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 second one the best. They like really zoom in on his like scary skull (laughs) flaming face. Imagine trying to have like a casual conversation with the ghost writer. (laughs) You don't know. Could not do it. Any at any point he could glance at you and it turns into the penance stare. You don't know. I mean he has no eyeballs. How would I know if it's the pen and stare if I am constantly thinking about all of the ways that I've done wrong in my life? I have anxiety. This doesn't work on me. Uh, Christy, do you remember how – I don't know if you read Empire past what we covered, but do you remember how Ghost Rider once tried the pen and stare on one of the Kree, but he doesn't actually feel bad about anything he's done (laughs) because he's just following orders? Oh, That's rough. (laughs) Oh, well, next up, we've got the Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy. And uh, I gave mine to uh, Delilah's tactics of subduing the Fantastic Four, specifically uh, the hunky Namor oh, yeah. that comes in and <laughs> rattles Sue. He's, what did she say? He's like, I thought you were off saving the environment or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly the line. I thought you... <laughs> We heard you were saving the environment or it's something. <laughs> or something. Yeah. I think that's a jab at John Byrne, because I think he was writing Namor at the time, but I don't know. <laughs> oh. It's it's fine to jab at John Byrne. Uh, yes. Early as and often. Often as possible. Adam, who, Adam, who did you give your Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy to? I'm giving it to Mole Man. I mean, he is just this cranky little guy who's like ordering his monsters around <laughs> and wants everybody off of his island. And I don't know. I can really appreciate the uh, whole get off my lawn energy. You know, it's great. <laughs> he just wants Love to be it. left alone. <laughs> So mine go to just the fact that the scrolls tried to find scrolls and found monsters, and apparently monsters are uh, similar to scrolls, and we don't go into it any further. <laughs> yeah, that does not get wrapped up or explored or answered. It's it's an interesting one. Love it. Okay, one of my favorite accolades: the key of C, a moment that we feel would be enhanced by a musical number, and I feel like Franklin didn't have a moment here to shine. And I feel like Franklin needed a moment. Like when he shows up and sees all of his family all tied up in a way that could be very confusing for a child. (laughs) He's like, how come you aren't out there catching the bad guys? And, you know, I I think Franklin needs like a farewell because we established early on that it has been weeks since he's seen his parents and then they're going off again to save the world. And I think, I think he just needs a little goodbye song where we, you know, he, he just, we, we see him at the end, I think just holding like Alicia's hand and waving goodbye to everybody. He needs, he needs a little heart wrenching song there. Love it. Oh, Franklin. Chris, what is your key of C? Mine is uh, Delilah's sob story. I think it would have been good to like put on like this like a very like over dramatic like heavy oh. on the strings sort of like 
like weepy violin as she explains that they're all dead and needs the the everyone's help. But it absolutely needs a little like tempo change and like to the audience bit where yeah. she you know <laughs> is real just tongue in cheek about it. There's a lot of fourth wall breaking where it's kind of, kind of like with a look and a wink or a yes yeah. I, I picked the same scene because I just think that's like the most, uh, the uh, greatest opportunity for just like some really uh, cheesy ham-fisted <laughs> singing there. Yes. <laughs> I love it. We got a daily double again. Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. Yeah. I and Now that I, I'm thinking about this song, like I really have a clear picture of this song in yeah. my mind that you have. I'm really good at this accolade. Right. Yeah. Right. I just wanted everybody to feel bad for Franklin, as I feel he's like just he's just a good the, kid. He is the neglected little child. Oh, here. if you read Power Pack, he just seems like his parents are never. Around, oh yeah, no, right? they drop him off with them constantly, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then uh, the Power family, the parents leave too. So it's always just the kids. That yeah, it's <laughs> and. The, it, when Louise Simonson always puts them in like terrible oh, yeah. mortal peril. Yeah. Real real Marvel danger. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, what ship will you go down would you go down with? Your relation or relationship can be romantic, uh, platonic. I liked the frenemy uh Wolverine and Hulk deal okay, here. Yeah. I feel like they had a lot of back and forth because Wolverine did in fact originate in a Hulk comic as, as a as a Hulk bad guy. Oh, yeah. So I, I kind of like, this wasn't quite a callback to it, but like, I felt like the energy. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Adam, what ship would you go down with? I am, I, I actually had to look this up today because I was trying to remember what was weird about Nebula from this run. And it, it turns out that it's actually a, a leftover from when Simonson was writing the Avengers Nebula in this case is not the Nebula that we know as uh, Thanos's daughter. Um, it's actually a character named Ravana Renslayer. Who? Oh, she's from the TVA. Yeah, she right? she got uh, trapped in a time bubble and then disguised herself as Nebula and is actually referred to in some places as Kang Nebula. She's part of something called mm. the Council of Kangs, and basically like. Can like hypnotizes Johnny into falling in love with her. Um, so I just, mm. I'm just fascinated by the co- complexity of what Simonson was doing with that scenario because it doesn't need to be that complicated, but it is. Well, if, if you bring in Kang, it gets like ridiculously, yeah, let alone a council like, of Kangs, <laughs> so many Kangs. The original Kang is also a Richards in yep. uh, just of like the far future, which is so fun. weird. Oh, what was yours, Christy? So I've got the parental relationship of the monster Aww. and her robot baby. I loved that so much. So that is the ship I would go down with. Love it. All right. Our final accolade is the goodest hit, uh, okay. which is the best hit. Chris and I, we talked about this one. He's like, Christy, I need to make sure that my goodest hit is okay to pick. Because is it okay for me to pick when um, Reed Richards punches Delilah as Sue Storm. And I was like, absolutely, because that's my goodest hit as well. <laughs> it's so casual. Like, he barely, like, it, like, there's not, like, a lot of, like, oomph behind it. Like, there's not, like, you know, like, right. if you were to draw, like, a big punch, there'd be, like, a lot of motion lines. They do it from, like, a real cool angle. This is, like, a straight-on angle of just a baff. 
Yeah, he's just casually holding her little neural disruptor de- device mm-hmm. in one hand by one finger, and the other arm just bop it. Like it like, was like so an easy. Extendo punch. I like that, even though um, she has like all of this like intrigue and sort of like she she has like a lot of charisma and is very controlling. That she is like a glass cannon in that way, and uh-huh. that she just like completely goes out like no problem. Yeah, she's a chump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of like characters who are like that, uh, as opposed to people who are just like good at everything. But I thought that was cool. Okay, so before I announce Daily Devil, I want to make sure that this isn't also Adams. It's not. Okay, so Daily Devil, hit it, Matty Wilson. <laughs> and Adam, what was your goodest hit? I've always loved the the scene where they can't find the scroll captain, and he has spent. <laughs> the wrong exactly and there's this this yes. point where i think it's the hulk eventually who's like about to smash the the skull cap scroll captain as a rock and i've always just loved that scene because this scroll captain has been like you know really been bossy and like i'm the man this whole time and then he just hides as a rock it's just really funny to me it's like when your your kid does a really bad job hiding under a blanket <laughs> yes. or something and you're like, "Oh, I better I better, you know, just pound jump on this this blanket here. I can't I don't know where the kid is." But... And they start giggling or, "No, no, yeah. don't I just jump on I the love blanket. the idea that there's this like giant superhero story with all of these really popular 90s characters and there's this whole page of them just smashing rocks. It's just so silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the tutorial level of a video. Game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that goodest hit. Oh, and thank you so much, Adam, for for joining us. Um, it was my pleasure. I, I like I said, this was a, a fave of mine. So uh, I'm really glad we got a chance to talk about it, and I'm so glad you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, yes. it was a blast. I and I loved it. It's very hit or miss for me whether or not I enjoy the things that we cover. And this is this was a fun read. Yeah. And if mm-hmm. listeners have not read it or the rest of the the Simonson run's not like super long. Um it's it's pretty doable. I highly recommend it. Definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. If you want more TVA stuff because you just re- uh, watched Loki, this is where it starts. And uh it's really enjoyable. So check it out. Mm-hmm. And Adam, if people want to find more of you on the internet, where should they look? Folks, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. I'm on Instagram at Adam.Rec. And you can listen to new episodes of Battle of the Atom, which is an X-Men podcast where we rank every X-Men story of all time. Um, we're just about to hit 600 stories within like our next episode or so, which is absolutely insane. But that comes out every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And readers, you know, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Chris's Pod. You can send us those long-form messages at Earths at gmail.com. You can rate or review us at iTunes and now also at Spotify, so make sure you check that out. We'll read those five-star iTunes reviews out on the show. And if you would like to monetarily support us, even though we are reaching the close of Chris's, you can still support us over at Patreon or our Kofi. Links for both of those are in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And until next time, slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours. <laughs>